We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Everything is practice. This is a quote by Pelek. Another quote, practice does not make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect by Vince Lombardi. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the, on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jack Palacos and today's theme is the gift of practice. Hello, my name is Jovan Hundel. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, which is a top nonprofit honored by both GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and also get more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be The Star You Are desperately needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. We have recently launched our Operation Hurricane Disaster Relief Fund following a similar success with our Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund and desperately need additional donations to help ship much-appreciated books to victims. Please donate today at bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. Additionally, our brand new book, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, is available now at www.cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store, where you can also find the other two anthologies that we've published. We are thrilled to be reading one of the chapters today to start off the hour. We will be reading the Gift of Practice chapter by Bridget Gia, and, uh, who is a former host and reporter on the show and is also a college freshman with a passion for literature, particularly poetry and historical fiction. She's also a varsity debater and has participated in several winning political campaigns at the state and United States congressional levels. Bridget was also a concertmaster of her high school's orchestra. We're very much looking forward to reading her chapter for today's first segment. And without further ado, here's The Gift of Practice by Brigitte Gia. In our youth, we're taught to live by the idea that anything is possible. Humans have done everything under the sun. We've climbed to the top of the world, measured the depths of the ocean, hurtled rockets into space, and we accomplish new feats every single day. Practice, however, is what gets us where we are in the modern era. Anything is possible, from learning to tie your shoes to becoming a musical virtuoso. The key to human achievement is practice. I've been playing the violin for about 10 years now, and I still have hours and hours of scales, etudes, and bowing exercises to go before I master the instrument. Uh, there are so many different aspects to the instrument's sound that putting them all together without practice is nigh impossible. I participate in several youth and high school orchestras, take private lessons, and I try my best to duly practice the repertoires I receive from each activity. Sometimes it's hard to balance my practice time with the hours of the day that I need to put towards homework and different extracurricular activities. With additional pressures added every year, I often end up sacrificing one or the other to maintain a high school life while resembling a circus juggling act. Nearing final exam season of my junior year, I began shifting all of my efforts towards achieving my academic goals, forgetting the importance of practicing violin for upcoming contests and evaluations. I knew that I was to record and send in a single flawless 45-minute audition tape for a highly competitive and prestigious instrumental program that would take place two weeks after I took my exams, and I rationalized that practicing for a fortnight should be sufficient towards making a decent tape. During the competitive season that followed exam week, I was taught an incredibly valuable lesson about practice. That lesson was learned the hard way. 
To record the lengthy tape, I reserved an hour-long lesson with my private teacher, who also doubles as my pianist for competitions. All my music, which had gathered dust on the music stand because I hadn't found time, I hadn't found the time to practice during finals, was cleaned off and eventually dumped into a large bag and brought to his studio. My hands were shaking during the entire car ride, and I felt my stomach flip so often that I wondered if I'd eaten a bag of butterflies. I attributed my jitters to the usual bout of nerves that violinists experience before big big performances, but deep down inside, I knew that these nerves were bigger amplified sensations, resulting from my failure to continue practicing during my school's final exam term and my subsequent lack of faith in my ability to deliver a flawless performance. We were all set to record. I had a black performance dress on, and my violin was out of its case, tuned up, and ready to go when I panicked, realizing that I hadn't practiced hard enough, that I hadn't gone over the music and really learned it by heart, that I'd simply haphazardly slapped together a rendition of the same signs, for my pronunciation, third violin concerto, and revived a portion of Vaughn Williams' Lark Ascending from an earlier competition and hoped for the best. I broke down completely. I'm not ready, I told my private teacher. I don't think I can go through with the recording. I haven't practiced enough. If you're not ready, Brigitte, he said, then you're not ready. No amount of self-confidence, natural talent, or bravado can get you through this audition tape if you haven't practiced the repertoire you'll be playing. I nodded, tears running down my face. The program that had been presented to me as the next big step I would take in my violin studies for a number of years, and my inability to complete the required tape was staggeringly disheartening. I was crushed by my own incompetence. Before the competition, my academic labor had seemed paramount. Now I wondered if I should have deserted my quest for stronger grades to spend all of my time preparing for this critical recording session. I had failed to find the balance between schoolwork and music. I'd been unable to practice, and I wouldn't be sending anything at all for this momentous musical opportunity that was supposed to be my big break as a student violinist. My teacher having learned the art of perception along with the art of playing the violin, now saw how decimated I was. It's all right, he told me, picking up my violin and handing it to me. Let's just focus on your next opportunity. There will always, there are always more competitions. The next time, though, he continued, you need to practice. I took my instrument from him, squared my shoulders, and made a vow to myself. From now on, I would practice diligently to learn my repertoire by heart and build the self-confidence I needed to play for tape recordings, evaluation judges, and members of the general public. Since then, I've had the chance to play in several different competitions and substantially polish my skills as a performer. For these competitions, I practiced the Saint Saints piece until I knew it with my eyes closed, and I played the Vaughn Williams work past the point of worrying about my technique. Instead, I worked on my phrasing and the emotions that I wanted to convey to the audience. Because I had to practice the St. Saints and the Vaughn Williams piece for so long, and with such tenacity, I could avoid any sort of nervous breakdown during the performance and play with poise. After playing those two pieces for the very last time, I felt that I had truly learned them and was secure in my ability to perform either piece without making technical flaws. In a few days, I'll be recording a tape for a chance to land a seat in an honors orchestra to play violin in the famed Carnegie Hall. Since my attempt at recording that 45-minute audition tape, I've learned a lot about practice and the self-confidence it grants to the individual. I've made sure to practice as hard as I can in preparation for this opportunity, and to really put forth a maximum amount of effort for the occasion. No matter how busy I get with schoolwork and other extracurricular activities, I will always place practicing the violin as a priority on my to-do list. I know it will happen if I don't put forth my best efforts, and I know it will happen when I do. From now on, I will always choose to imbue myself with the confidence that comes as a result of having really and truly practiced. If you've ever thought to yourself that something is impossible or too difficult, remember that anything is possible with practice. No one is so innately talented that he or she has never had to practice to become adept at a task or process. Practice, 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 and you will be able to achieve anything you've set your heart on doing. Having practiced a task allows you to really believe in your ability to complete that task. Keep practicing and working hard to accomplish your goals. You can and you will. And now a short little exercise that Brigitte has included for us called Practice Makes Perfect. We often lose sight of our aspirations and let go of our goals when we practice. 
To ensure that you continue to practice a skill you wish to acquire and increase your productivity, try logging your practice hours and activities in a journal or a notebook. Use the first page of this log to set an overall goal. Outline the method of practice that will be the most effective in getting you to this goal, and the amount of time you think will be necessary to put towards the goal in order to complete it. Once you have written these, down these three steps, uh, once you've written down these three steps, use the rest of the pages to keep daily logs of the baby steps you've taken towards your overall aspiration. Set small intermediate goals that will help you reach your final level of task and skill mastery. Rewarding yourself for achieving goals, both large and small, is a good way of boosting your efficiency and galvanizing you your will to practice. Stickers, candies, and small gift purchases or an ice cream cone work well in this regard and may help you stay on track during practice sessions. Read through your journal on a regular basis and take pride in your continued practice. Practice is the foundation upon which achievement rests. Well, yeah, I thought that was an excellent chapter from Brigitte. Um, and I especially like that activity, the latter half especially, that she included, the one that you just read, because I feel like it sort of combines that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So it wants you to reward yourself in the form of, you know, like tangible things. So you can buy small things for yourself, you can get ice cream, get candies, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, um, she's also suggesting that you look through these logs of your practice regularly and so that you kind of feel good about yourself, that you've set aside this sort of time for practicing, you've stuck with it, you've obviously gotten better through that practicing. And yeah, I think that's just a great way to motivate yourself to continue practicing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because uh, being a musician myself, I definitely know uh, the feeling sometimes of how you know, you just lose motivation to practice or <laughs> you're too tired, too lazy. You know, any host of reasons why you don't want to practice that day. And I've, uh, I've definitely figured out, too, that um, if you just force yourself to practice every day, even just a little bit, then you're, you're going to improve substantially versus practicing a lot in one sitting. Because I think it's um, what I also really liked about this chapter is how it talks about that when you're practicing something, you really can't practice an entire song in a three-hour session Whereas it's a lot easier to practice a whole song in seven 20 minute sessions or some, you know, some, some way to spread it out. I definitely think that you are, you're able to work, uh, your work, you're, you know, you're going to be able to play the song far better than you ever would have. If you play, if you, you know, you practice every day in specific little sections at a specific time, instead of cramming it all at once and getting frustrated and tired, which usually tends to happen when you cram for things. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I think what you're getting at at the end there is definitely a good point, too, in that even beyond just music, if you, let's say you're cramming for a test uh, the very next day or even you're cramming for it the morning of, you're not going to remember it, remember the content as well as you might have if you studied the same amount of time, but maybe spread it out across a couple of days. Yeah, I definitely I learned that. Um, I, I think I learned that maybe in eighth grade, which was I'm happy that I learned it in eighth grade instead of when I started high school. But um, yeah, like I, it's definitely true where if you have a test and you study for the entire thing in one night, you're definitely going to do worse than if you studied for a, a week in advance. And then, you, you know, it's a lot less stressful, too. And you have more time to really absorb the information. And I really like how the chapter kind of touches on that. And I, I want to thank Brigitte for writing this chapter, obviously. Um, Obviously, and uh, practice just really impacts our lives in so many ways. And I'm I'm just happy that she was able to share how practicing has made a difference in her life. And unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this segment. So listeners, please be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. And we have a lot of fun events coming up. So make sure that you check out the www.bethestarur.org website and follow our blog. I'm Jack Palacos. And I'm Joven Hundle. Make sure to also watch BTSYA's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Make sure to also purchase the anthology, the brand new anthology, uh, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which this chapter is actually from. You can buy that on Amazon. You can buy that at our website, cynthiabryan.com slash online store. 
and hopefully soon other major book retailers. Uh, make sure to also keep listening as we continue our show on The Gift of Practice. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our show. I'm Jack Polakos, and this is Express Yourself Teen Radio with today's theme celebrating gifts of practice. And my name is Joven Hundle, and for our next segment, we'll be hearing from author Dallas Woodburn. Dallas Woodburn is a renowned author, editor, speaker, and very much in-demand writing teacher. She is a recipient of the National Congressional Award Gold Medal, the National Jefferson Award for Community Service, and the International Glass Woman Prize. A passionate champion of young writers, she founded Write On Books in 2011, and check, make sure to check out their website at writeonbooks.org. And for this segment, Dallas will be reading one of her very own chapters from a Be The Star You Are anthology entitled The Gift of Gentleness. And with that, let's welcome Dallas onto the show. Hi, Dallas. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here today. Of course, we're very happy to have you, and it's wonderful that you're kind of one of our own, um, having written in a Be the, Star you Antho- Be the Star You Are anthology yourself. Yes, it is such a wonderful anthology, and it's really an honor to be part of this book. I love all of the stories in it. Absolutely, and so yeah, feel free to take it away at any point. Okay, so I'll read my chapter, as you said, is called The Gift of Gentleness. I've loved basketball since I was a little girl. During elementary school recesses, I played horse and pickup games with the boys. At home, we had a basketball hoop in our driveway, and I spent many hours practicing until the daylight faded away to dusk and it was time to come in for dinner. I love the teamwork, the fast-paced energy of the game, the elegance of shooting, that clean feeling when you release the ball from your hand and know it's going in, and then that joyful swish through the net. My freshman year of high school, I was thrilled when I made the Frosh Soft Girls basketball team. The sophomore girls on the team welcomed me into their fold. We worked hard in practice, but the ultimate goal was to have fun. I played center or power forward, so I never dribbled the ball much. But I remember one game when the defender wasn't guarding me until I reached the half-court line. So my coach told me to dribble the ball up the court each play, and I did it successfully. I was nervous at first because I never thought I could be a point guard, but after that game, I felt like I could do anything, like I didn't have to box myself into a specific role, and the more confident I felt in myself, the better I played. Then, midway through the season, the varsity coach decided to move a girl on the JV team up to varsity and to move me up to the JV team. I felt honored to be chosen, but it was a difficult situation to move into a new team partway through the season. I was the new girl at the bottom of the totem pole, playing with girls older than I was and better than I was, who had already built their own team dynamic on and off the court. On the Fresh Soft team, I had started every game, but now on the JV squad, I sat on the bench and felt lucky to play a couple of minutes. My confidence tanked, but I still tried my best to be positive and work hard. The biggest obstacle was my new coach, a nice man off the court. During practices and games, he would yell constantly. He constantly berated me for not being tough enough, and nothing I did could convince him otherwise. 
no amount of showing up early for optional practices, busting my butt during blockout drills, or hustling up and down the court changed his opinion of me, that I was a soft girl who needed to toughen up. To me, playing basketball was as much a contest against myself as it was a contest against the other team. I didn't have that desire to crush my opponents, and if we lost, I shook it off pretty easily, but that didn't mean I wasn't tough. As I entered my sophomore year, the situation remained the same. During each game, I sat on the bench, my knees jiggling. I yearned to play, but I was also filled with nerves. I worried about making a mistake and being yanked out of the game. I tried to remain confident in myself, but it was hard. One game will be forever etched into my memory. It wasn't the playoffs, nor was it a game against our big rival. It was a personally important game because my Uncle Wayne was in town and would be attending with my parents. I looked up to Uncle Wayne, and I wanted to impress him. I hoped that I would get some playing time to show my best effort. In the second quarter, coach put me in. Someone on my team fouled a player on the opposing team in the act of shooting, so we all lined up for free throws. Since the other team was shooting, my team lined up on the innermost spots. The player shot the first free throw. I bent my knees, elbows out, preparing to box out for the rebound if the second free throw was a miss. It was. I successfully boxed out my player. But another player, a guard from the other team who had not been boxed out, swept in and grabbed the rebound. Immediately, my coach was screaming. He called a timeout, and we all hustled for the bench. I was not prepared for what happened next. Coach had yelled at me before, but it was nothing like this. Loudly, leaning right into my face, he screamed at me for not getting the rebound. He screamed that it was my fault that we were losing, that I was killing the team, that I wasn't trying hard enough. I was completely caught off guard because I didn't think I had made a mistake, but even if I had... Even if I had purposefully dribbled the wrong way down the court and deliberately scored two points for the other team, his verbal outrage would have been completely out of bounds. I realize that now. A grown man yelling in red-faced rage at a 16-year-old girl is never okay, especially in front of her peers and her community. I would learn later that it took every ounce of self-control for my father not to run down from the bleachers and yank me away from that screaming man. He didn't want to embarrass me or cause any more of a scene. He tried to catch my eye so he could thump his chest with his fist in our secret signal for, I love you, you're doing great, but I wouldn't look at him. The reason why I wouldn't look at my dad or at anyone in the bleachers was because I was ashamed. Already, as I took my place at the end of the bench and avoided my teammates' eyes, I was internalizing my coach's words. He was in a position of power, and he was telling me that I was a loser, and in that moment, I believed him. I believed that everyone saw things the way he did. Red-hot shame coursed through my veins. It never crossed my mind that perhaps I didn't deserve it, that perhaps coach, not me, was in the wrong. Later, my parents would comfort me. They would schedule a meeting with my coach about the incident, although he would never apologize. And later still, I would decide to end my basketball career and focus on cross-country and track. Although I still loved basketball, I did not miss the self-doubt and negativity that came from playing on that team. These days, I only think of my old coach very occasionally when I make a mistake and catch the way I'm talking to myself. Not usually, but sometimes the words I say to myself could be coming directly out of his screaming mouth. I can't believe you just did that. What were you thinking? You ruined everything. You're so stupid. It's all your fault. Whenever I catch myself doing this, I try to immediately silence that critical voice in my head by taking a few deep breaths. Then I ask myself, how would you talk to your best friend if she was in this situation? The answer, I would never yell or berate her. I would treat her with gentleness, compassion, and understanding. I would offer words of encouragement and support. Myself deserves that same courtesy and love. It is up to each one of us to break the cycle, not only in our behavior towards others, but also in the way we treat ourselves. I do not want to be an angry basketball coach screaming at myself. Instead, I want to be like the coach of my fresh soft team who made me feel confident enough to be point guard, even though I had never played that position before. 
who never would have yelled at me, even if I had failed, and with that knowledge helped give me the confidence to succeed. I want to talk to myself the way that my parents talked to me on that fateful day, drawing in the shadows of my shame and erasing them with light. After all, that little voice inside my head is powerful. It is the only voice that I hear all day, every day. It never, ever needs to yell to be heard. A gentle, compassionate whisper will do just fine. That's the end. Wow, that was very, you know, powerful. Your experience and everything that came out came about as a result of this. Something that especially stro- struck me was that. So obviously, this has been an experience that you know stayed with you, influenced you for your entire life. But to the coach itself, it might have just been an ordinary day for him. And so that's something. Yes, it saddens me. And then another thing, I think it's especially topical just because, you know, teenagers right now, there's rises in teen depression rates, even unfortunately teen suicide rates. And a lot of the, and kids, teens these days, we're stressed out of our minds, whether it's sports, extracurriculars, just academics, whether it's um, something to do with like friend drama, all that kind of stuff. And so I think your advice, especially about, um, how would you talk to your best friend if she was in this situation? I think that's a wonderful question to ask ourselves when we're being you know, very hard on ourselves, when we're stressed and we might end up blaming ourselves. I think that's a great way to just kind of take a step back and put things in perspective. Yeah, thank you. I think it's it's so true that sometimes we are so much harsher to ourselves and critical of ourselves than we would be of somebody else. So that question always helps me kind of recenter and focus and and at least pay attention to how I'm talking to myself what that voice is saying yeah I really like that you know that method of just kind of being able to take a step back and stop being so self-critical of yourself because I I know a lot of people the second that they make a mistake they're just going to be super critical of themselves but a lot of times you can't even control mistakes that you make because you know, they're mistakes because obviously no one tries to make mistakes. And when they do, that's why it's a mistake because you accidentally messed up. And I think it's just really important that people, you know, realize that and just aren't so critical of jumping to a conclusion that they're never going to be good enough for something or that they always make mistakes because people don't always make mistakes. And when you do, like 99% of mistakes are usually fixable. So if you just take a step back and you think about it, you can generally just solve a mistake in, you know, a nicer way than just being super critical of yourself and putting yourself down. And that was a really fantastic chapter. And I, I really like how, you know, you touched on that. And I think that's definitely a positive message for everybody who reads that chapter, you know, especially because being self-critical is just something that happens a lot in people's lives. And it's important to realize that. You know, sometimes it's not your fault. And if you try your best, um, you know, that's the most important part of practicing is that you're just trying your best. And unfortunately, um, that's all the time that we have for this segment. So I definitely want to thank you, Dallas, for coming on to the show today. And audience, you can learn more about Dallas Woodburn from visiting www.dallaswoodburnauthor.com and www.yourbookbreakthrough.com. Also check out her Facebook where her handle is Writer Dallas and her Instagram where she is at Dallas Woodburn Author and her Twitter at Dallas Woodburn. Unfortunately, um, like I said, we're out of time. So stick around for the next segment and we're going to hear a lot more from Dallas Woodburn. I'm Jack Polakos. And I'm Joven Handel. During the break, make sure to visit BeTheStarYouAre.org for more information about Express Yourself and B2SYA. Also on that website, look at our events page where you can find out more about upcoming opportunities to spread positivity and literacy as a part of our charity. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. Make sure to keep listening for more from author Dallas Woodburn and today's theme of The Gift of Practice. Show the world your smile if you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. 
live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our inspirational and uplifting show. Today, we are at Express Yourself Teen Radio and are enjoying learning about the gift of practice with Dallas Woodburn. My name is Jack Kalakos. And I'm Joven Hundel. In our last segment, we had accomplished author Dallas Woodburn read her chapter in one of the Star You Are's anthologies. And for this segment, we're going to be bringing her back on the show for discussion. Welcome back, Dallas. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk with you both more. As are both of us, as are both of us. Um, and so just I wanted to dive right into it and ask, um, so how did you get started as a writer? I got started, it's hard for me to remember a specific time. I've always remembered loving writing and I always loved to read. And I think that I was really fortunate. Um, my dad is actually a writer as well. And I saw him writing a lot from home, from the kitchen table. And so I was always aware that the books that I loved reading, that there was someone out there who actually wrote them, that they didn't just appear on the library shelves with magic. Um, I always knew that it was something that I that could be done, that I could be an author when I grew up. And um, so I've been writing ever since I can remember. That's really cool. It's it's kind of funny that you just said that, because now that I'm thinking about it, I've never really questioned where the books in the library came from. I mean, like, you know, obviously I know it's not magic and the authors did that, but it is kind of cool to think about that. Every single book there has been individually written by a person. And that makes me wonder, um, like, what advice would you give to teens that want to be writers? Because I know that, at least for me, I, you know, I do writing perfectly fine if I'm given a prompt to write about an English class or if someone says, oh, write about your experience with this. But, you know, like what advice would you give to teens who want to become authors, but, you know, they don't have a topic that they're just, you know, like they're still searching for something to write about? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I also want to acknowledge, like you mentioned in our last segment, just how busy so many teens are. And I know that there's so much on um, on your plate and with school and extracurriculars and sports. And I, I definitely hear from teenagers who tell me that they enjoy writing. Maybe they don't quite know what to write about, or even some of them have a lot of ideas, but they just are frustrated with not having any time to do it. And I think sometimes we think of writing as something that we need to have a large Um, chunk of time to commit to it so we think oh well if I don't have you know a few hours to to work on this writing project then I'm not going to get anything done but something that I've found and starting when I was in high school myself is even just taking 10 or 15 minutes a day to do some writing and maybe that's just journaling about what your day was like what how you're feeling what you're frustrated by Or maybe it's writing some poetry or some fiction. Um, But just taking 10 or 15 minutes every day can really add up. I think a lot of people are surprised by how much they can get done if, if they set that timer for 15 minutes and spend that time actually writing. So not being distracted by Facebook or the internet or your cell phone, but actually just writing. Um, That's actually how I wrote. I published a book um, when I was a senior in high school and I wrote that entire book just in 10 or 15 minute chunks in between my other activities um, that I was doing. 
That's wonderful. And so as we mentioned in your bio in the last segment, so you founded the Write on Books organization to help burgeoning writers um, find their path in this like writing world. And so I wanted to ask you then, you know, if we think of maybe like teen writers specifically, where we're coming from a public school English class where, you know, it's very like structured writing. We're usually given topics. Sometimes we have to write these exactly like five paragraph essays. We have your introduction, three body paragraphs, conclusion. Um, How do you, what would you recommend for, you know, like teen writers to maybe get out of that mindset and just start writing and see what kind of appeals to them within that area? Yeah, and that is so true. I definitely remember when I was in high school, just the very structured essays and how different <laughs> that is from per- perhaps other types of writing. And I think that those rules can be some become so ingrained that we get used to um, maybe putting ourselves and our writing in little boxes that we have to have certain things. Um, I would suggest to teens to, and anyone who's listening, adults as well, to... Um, do something I call free writing. So for free writing, it's um, the opposite of, you know, writing a paper for English where you're trying to get a good grade. It's writing without um, focusing on the end product at all, actually, and really tuning out those critical voices in your head. So it's much more of an exploratory um, and fun approach to writing. And I even like doing it where... I'm not allowed to push the delete key when I'm typing. I have to just keep moving forward. So if I make a mistake or uh, use a word that I'm not sure about, I just keep um, keep plowing ahead. And I think that a wonderful thing about doing this type of exercise is it helps you tap into your subconscious brain as opposed to being uh, really aware of that critical brain that has all of this checklist of things that you should be doing. Um, And so that can be really fun for teens to use to try to just explore writing a little bit and see what they enjoy about it. I definitely like that idea a lot. Uh, Like now that I think about it, because I, you know, I know a lot when I'm writing for an English essay, a a lot of, um, you know, a big trouble that a lot of kids have, including me is when you first are starting to write something, you instantly, every every word you type you you know you want to delete it and then say oh wait is there a better synonym I could use for that or you'll type a sentence and then think oh I could totally reword this and make it sound like a you know a perfect professor level essay and you know that's really not what you're supposed to do if you're just making a creative writing you know you're just writing about your life or a story that you want to write it's a lot better to just kind of, you know, just spill all of your thoughts out first and then make all of the edits and make it sound nice later once you actually have, you know, a good plan out, a good outline, and, you know, you just start writing for fun because, you know, writing isn't, if you're writing for fun, then obviously you shouldn't spend a lot of time on making it sound super nice because it's just for you to write down your thoughts and whatever you're thinking at the moment. And that kind of makes me think, um, you know, if you're writing down your thoughts and, your passions and stuff like that. Um, Do you think that writing can be a good way to, you know, find time to follow your passion or, you know, how do you think that people should find time to follow their passions? Like whether it's writing or sports or just whatever their passion is. Yeah, I definitely think that writing can help us discover our passions and and really stay true to ourselves. I think that sometimes, um, not just teens, but adults as well, we get so caught up in the busyness of the day-to-day and our to-do lists. And for me, writing is is really a way to connect with my inner self. Um, I kind of think of my inner self as as like that child within myself um, who was just so excited about learning and and loved certain things um, so fiercely. And so I think that with writing, you you can tap into those passions that maybe you had as a child that you've forgotten about or you've gotten so busy that um, you are not able to do them as much anymore. And and similar, 
to what I said about just finding a few minutes every day uh, with writing, no matter what your passion is. Maybe you really love art or um, a certain sport or a game um, or acting or singing. And I think really just trying to find little pockets of time where you can um, really nurture that passion inside yourself. I found for me that with writing, which is my passion, that the more I do it, the more my love and passion for it grows. It's almost like fanning that flame that I have inside of myself. And so I think that um, really just taking the time to check in with yourself and finding what makes you feel like you come alive. To me, that, that lets me know that I'm doing something um related to to my passion that's wonderful um and so i also wanted to ask you then so we talked a little bit in the last time when you were reading your chapter where you went you know went through these this experience where you were being blamed way out of proportion for something and you know that obviously took a toll on you it takes a toll on anybody who has to go through these sorts of experiences where either they uh, are always criticizing themselves or whether someone else, the people around them are criticizing them. Um, and so I also wanted to ask you then, so how do you get past this like need to be perfect and like this urge to not make mistakes under any cost? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, and the funny thing about mistakes is I think that we all try to avoid them. Uh, we, we want to be perfect and never make any mistakes. But the thing with writing and with creativity is that um, you need to make mistakes in order to grow. And so making mistakes is actually a good thing because it means that you're not just doing the same thing over and over again. You're trying something new. And um, so I actually try to remind myself when I when I make a mistake that it means that I'm um, that I'm growing and that I'm taking risks and pushing myself. And to me, that is um, living a more rewarding life than if I were just um, trying to do the same thing over and over again and, and be quote unquote perfect all the time, which is frankly impossible for any of us to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a very important um, message for people, especially teenagers, uh, to hear. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Dallas, so much for coming onto the show. Uh, you read your excellent chapter. You talked about your sort of trajectory to becoming an, such an accomplished author. And also thank you for all the, all the other further insights you gave us during this discussion. Um, audience, make sure to learn more about Dallas Woodburn by visiting her websites at dallaswoodburnauthor.com as well as your book breakthrough.com. Also make sure to check out her Facebook where she at facebook.com slash writer Dallas, her Instagram, where she is Dallas Woodburn author, and her Twitter, where she is at Dallas Woodburn. Um, and stick around to hear, sorry, and stick around to hear another segment, Trends Without Ends, from our excellent uh, reporter and my co-host, Jack. Uh, yeah, and I'm Jack Palacos. Make sure to visit www.bethestarur.org and expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about Express Yourself and Be The Star You Are. And while you're at it, if you are checking out Dallas Woodburn's Facebook or Twitter, uh, you can also uh, message her if you want any help on writing because she is, in fact, a writing coach. And if you, you, know, if you need any help on writing, she can definitely help out there because as you heard in her excellent chapter, she is a very skillful writer. So, yeah, thank you. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. And make sure to keep listening as we continue our show on the gift of practice with my segment, Trends Without Ends. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring show. My name is Jack Palacos, and now we're going to be continuing our theme, highlighting the gifts of practice. And I'm Joven Handel. For this segment, we're thrilled to be hearing from my co-host for today, actually, our awesome reporter, Jack Palacos, returning for his segment, Trends Without Ends. Take it away, Jack. Hello. <laughs> my name is Jack Palacos, and I'm really excited to be um, sharing my segment, Trends Without Ends, today. I'm going to be talking about the current trends in practice and why you should practice and basically where practice gets you when you're trying to master skills. You may have heard that you need 10,000 hours of practice to master skill. This thought originated back in 2008 when Malcolm Gladwell determined that that's how long it took to achieve mastering a skill. Today that claim is questioned and some go as far as to call it a myth. So how long do you need to practice in order to learn a new skill? Well, according to Josh Kaufman, it really only takes 20 hours of intelligently practicing to learn any new skill. And here, I would like to point out the difference between the two theories. Gladwell is referring to mastery of a skill, achieving excellence, as opposed to Kaufman, who is talking about learning a skill and just being able to simply execute it. Although these are two really, really big differences in the theories, in the theories they both agree that in order to be able to perform any skill at all, it takes practice, and practice is important enough to it's important enough to be researched and studied. So you're probably wondering why. Well, if you know how to practice better or more efficient, then that's pretty meaningful to a lot of people because we want to maximize the amount of time we spend doing something because obviously a lot of people don't have the most time, and if you're maximizing what you're doing in the time, then obviously that's going to be beneficial to you. Um, there was actually an interesting study done in June of 2018, and it basically, uh, through a series of tests of neuroimages, it determined that if you want to learn something and improve your long-term retention of it, there's an actually a relatively easy way to do it. If you just spend as little as 15 minutes engaging in cardiovascular exercise, it would actually increase your brain connectivity and efficiency. And this discovery could also offer the chance to accelerate your motor skills as well as connecting different areas of your brain more efficiently. Not only that, but it actually uses less brain activity than if you hadn't exercised. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good idea to, you know, exercise a quick 15 minutes a day, maybe just run on the treadmill or do jumping jacks or jump rope or, you know, any sort of cardiovascular activity for 15 minutes and you're definitely going to notice some differences in your mental retention. And studies have also shown that practicing a new skill increases the density of melanin in your brain. And that's basically the white matter in your brain that helps you improve on performance and just tasks in general. And, you know, exercise also can help, um, it can help stimulate neural pathways, which allow uh, electrical impulses to travel faster and more fluid. So, you know, although this is a lot of really sciencey stuff, the main trend here is that if you exercise and you practice, then you're going to be able to retain information a lot better and it'll work a lot better through your brain. So that's, you know, this all sounds pretty fantastic. So you would probably wonder, like, why do people dread practice so much? Well, first of all, many people attribute talent as being more responsible for skill development than it actually is. It'll probably surprise you to learn that studies have determined that talent is determined far less by your genes and far more by your actions, and the foundation is practice. I mean, although, you know, there are some people who are prodigies at birth, that is an incredibly small minority of people, and the majority of all, you know, pro of, of all professional musicians or professional athletes, they get that from practicing every single day, no matter what. And so the next time that you're deciding to learn a new skill and you just want to give up, just remember of all of the benefit, all the benefits that your brain is getting by practicing. You know, you can become good or at least, you know, just competent with a new skill in as few as 20 hours of practice. And if you want to become truly excellent, then 
you know, you might want to try to strive towards that 10,000 hours of practice. But, you know, that's not always in the boundaries of everyone. And just practicing every day for 15 minutes will definitely get you some pretty good results on any skill that you're trying. Definitely. I think that's a great message to end the show off with, especially. And so I wanted to ask you, Jack, then, so what do you think the biggest hurdle is that stops people from practicing different skills, even if, you know, they really do want to learn those? Um, well, honestly, I think the biggest hurdles, uh, there's probably two things. Um, yourself is the biggest hurdle and your motivation is the other biggest hurdle. So a lot of people become kind of discouraged just because um, they're, you know, they, they've been practicing on some really hard musical piece for an hour and they've only made a tiny bit of progress. And then they just think to themselves, they're never going to get it. But, you know, you, that's where motivation comes in, where you have to be motivated to keep practicing no matter what level of skill that you and yourself is at, because you might not get something for a week. But if you practice every single day at it, you're going to improve and eventually you will get it no matter what. So that's definitely the biggest hurdle is just people not being motivated and just getting discouraged by their own personal ability. Absolutely. It's definitely this problem that they need to actively be combating. And so I wanted to ask you then, so those 20 hours to become competent and learn this new skill, so how do you get to those 20 hours without, you know, getting frustrated along the way, without um, looking at this task ahead of you, this 20 hours, and again, not immediately getting frustrated? Well, according to Josh Koofman, if you want to master a skill, then you really got to start by breaking it down into smaller pieces. You know, if you're learning a difficult song or if you're learning how to do a backflip or anything, you have to start with a small piece because, you know, clearly you're not going to be able to play a five-minute song that's really complicated perfectly on your first try, and you would probably not have the best judgment to attempt a backflip on the ground the, for the first time ever. You know, you have to take baby steps that are a little bit, that are all equally achievable until you finally reach your final goal, which is, you know, maybe playing a complicated song or doing a backflip. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to thank you, Jack, for appearing on today with your segment Trends Without Ends. We always love hearing your interesting news and developments in your segments. Uh, But with that, however, it is sadly time to say farewell. We do give our thanks to Star Star Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Uh, Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Jovan Hundle. And I'm Jack Palacos. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach program, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, practice, be positive, be generous, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself